Good morning, everybody. We're doing well today? So sad. Yeah. Hey, um, so if, if you've been coming here for a little bit and you've kind of heard me speak before, you know that I don't like to do this by myself, okay? Because I, I, I want this to be a collective thing. There's wisdom, and I love hearing uh, comments and thoughts that come uh, to you while I'm speaking. Uh, it's, I kind of see this as a conversation rather than a sermon. I, I don't know. It's going to go bad today, I can tell you. So up there, I'm going to put my cell number. Okay, 407-334-3866. After seven years and some months, I still carry my Central Florida phone number. I apologize uh, for not being cool like a 702-303. What's Boulder? 303 as well? Okay, anyway, so here's my cell number. I have my cell phone right here with me, okay? Feel free to, like, write in any comment, any thoughts, anything that you disagree with. If I say something and you Google it and it's not right, say you're wrong, okay? Um, and so uh, depending on how things go, then we, we might entertain some of these things and talk about some of the things that you bring up. A deal? That makes it better, right? Some of you don't know. Okay, that's all right. I'll forgive you. So, um, so today I have uh, the, the honor uh, of talking about Proverbs and especially chapter 3, but before we get to chapter 3, the first few verses, I want to talk a little bit about our current condition, okay? I want to talk about current condition. I want to highlight a few things that are going on right now, um, and we're going to talk a little bit about political stuff, religious stuff, and cultural economics. Can we do that for a second? I know you probably can't read those very well, because when I was typing them, it was really big, because it was close to me. Um, and now, uh, but here's the thing, okay, when we look at, when we look at political uh, situation and all the way across, we're going to see uh, some similarities. First of all, there's some tension, okay, there's some political unrest. Um, there's some hate that goes on with different political parties and leaders and things like that. There's a lot of finger pointing. No, you did this, you did that, he said this, she said that. And uh, there is divisiveness. There's this thing that kind of feels like it's dividing the country. And um, there's also dishonesty that we feel like. Man, they're not being upfront with us. And that's just in the political side, okay? Then we get in the religious side, and, and I decided to do religious, make it a little bit more generic. I thought about going denominational on there, um, and then like that would have been kind of like, you can look at it whichever way you want, okay? But there is tension in our denomination, right? Okay, uh, there's unrest in certain groups with certain people. Um, there's, uh, what is it? I can't even see it. Inequality. Is there inequality? <laughs> Pastor Jen said yes. <laughs> oh, man. I, every time I speak, I feel like I get myself in a little bit of trouble. Okay. Okay. 
there, there's uh, this, this authoritarian feeling. And again, I'm not talking about our denomination alone, okay? Um, there is this self-righteousness sometimes that comes across with Christianity. Um, and there's this, this polarizing thing, again, kind of very similar to the whole political situation, depending on what side of Adventism you stand on which is sad that we even saying that, okay? Um, and then there's uh, Gossip Juice. A couple of you know what I'm talking about, and that's okay. Jay is looking at me like, mm -hmm. okay, never mind. We'll come back to that maybe a little bit later. Uh, and then we talk about cultural and economic situation. Again, there's tension, there's unrest. Uh, there's there's uh, the, the wealthy, there's the poor, uh, there's hunger, there's disease. Uh, there's dumb decisions that people make all the time. Now, here's the thing about this slide, okay? This slide, um, it's not just about our current situation, but it's also the current situation of Thomas Solomon when he decided this world needs some wisdom. So you can go look back at his time, and you can find these same things going on, except perhaps not the gossip juice thing, <laughs> okay? That's a different story. But Solomon sees these same things, and he realizes something about the human condition, okay? We're humans. Here's this next slide uh, where we talk about this idea that here in this world where humans, we tend to, like, repeat the same uh, issues, we, the same patterns over and over again. We continue to do this behavior over and over and over again, regardless of what time in history we've been and what time of history we will be at. And see, so Solomon knew that. And so back in the day, he realized this, man, these people, this is what Solomon says. Okay, I'm paraphrasing because I wasn't there. Okay, so I'm just making this up. Is that okay? You can text me and tell me you're wrong. You can't make stuff up. All right, so this is what Solomon says. In essence, when he's writing, he goes, let me share with you some things that might be very helpful in living your life in this crazy world. That's kind of like the whole point of, uh, of Solomon, Proverbs, and wisdom literature, as we call it. Before I get going, I, there's this little video that I want to show you. Um, I'm not even going to tell you what it's about. Just take a look at it. I'm sure some of you are like, what? Like, I'm failing to see the connection between Solomon and this. But now, this is going to clarify everything for you, okay? This next slide is going to just, like, blow your mind because the first comment on that video was this. had to laugh because there's a lot of people saying all these comments like what would he be doing and this person is like the most brilliant statement this is why women outlive men now here's another connection in this whole thing okay and and that's the idea that um, in Hebrew 
Right, this next slide. In Hebrew and in Greek, the word wisdom, so in Hebrew, the word wisdom is hakma. Can we say hakma? Bring something up, okay? Hakma. That's the Hebrew word. In Greek, is Sophia. Now, here's what's interesting. In both of those, wisdom is a chick. Not a chicken. It's a woman. It's female. And throughout wisdom literature, every time they talk about wisdom, they talk about she stands at the gates and cries. She begs and pleads with people. She welcomes the world. She wants the world to know who? Wisdom. She. So, did you move back next to him? That is so unfortunate because I was going to use you as an example of being wise and sitting closer to the front. But now you moved and it ruined my whole sermon. Let's pray. I'm done. <laughs> Submit. So let's take a look at, at, at Proverbs, and then we'll go back to, uh, we'll go to Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, but there's this idea that, that, that wisdom is a feminine, referred to as she, and sometimes, I know, I'm not, I should, yes, it frustrates me that we, in our denomination, tend to treat women different than we treat men. That's all I'm going to say about that. We're going to move on. So, chapter 3 uh, of Proverbs begins by saying this. It says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For the length of days, and I'm going to read through verse 4, and then I'm going to come back. For the length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. There's a theme that keeps occurring through this first part of these verses, and there's a word that comes through over and over again, and that is the word heart. And see, Jesus knew something about that whole thing, because at one point, later on, years after this, Jesus says, you know what? Like, your lips, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is so far from me. And so Solomon realizes that way back and says, listen, you can act, you can be, you can behave, you can do all these things, but if the heart is not right, then all these things that you're doing are worthless. So he's saying, listen, there's a thing behind the thing that's behind the thing. There's an action, but there's something behind the action, and perhaps there's something behind that thing behind the action. And ultimately, we know that the Bible is pretty clear at times. All writers of all ages and at all times said that the heart is the thing. That the heart is the thing. If your heart is right, you will have peace. And I think when, when, when Solomon is writing, and again, once we get past the first nine chapters of Proverbs, Solomon really gets into these like, like, like statements of like, you know, 
and you know, he collected that, and but this first part is this conversation between a father and a son, and he's saying, son, listen, in this world, uh, things are going to go bad, it's crazy, and I just want to share with you perhaps the thing that's important in this whole thing, and he says, and it's your heart, that's what matters, your heart. Verse 3 talks about um, the idea that let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. And then verse 4 says, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of who? And? Now, listen. I, uh, maybe I have a, little bit of problem with that. Anybody else? Like, because, like, have you seen good people and then all of a sudden bad stuff happens? So, so what's going on here in Proverbs? Because here's the thing that sometimes we forget and we think that Proverbs are promises. Are they? Are they probabilities, possibilities? What would they be? The most likely thing to happen? Because at one point in Proverbs, Solomon is very clear, and he says, you know, um, if you come uh, into money um, quickly, you're going to lose it. Is that always true? No. Right after that, he says, but if you acquire money slowly, it will last for a long time. Is that true? Is that a promise? Then there's another verse that we love and we quote all the time. It says, train a child in the way, what? And when they are old? How many parents we got up in here? <laughs> How many of us did a perfect job with our children? <laughs> Whose children are not here today? So, so if it's a promise, then maybe it... So I don't think that when we look at Proverbs, we need to look at these things as saying, this is what's going to happen if I do this. Maybe we should look at it. And I think Solomon's intention was like, the most likely thing to occur if you do this is possibly this, but don't hold your breath because things don't always turn out the way you think they're going to turn out. And the thing that you think God is going to do is not necessarily the thing that he will do. And I cannot repeat that sentence again. <laughs> Sorry. Because sometimes we, we approach these writings and we approach these things as like, well, you know what, um, it's there, so it must be true. Yes, it is, it's here, and it's true, but maybe it's not the thing that we're actually expecting, the thing that will actually happen. And unfortunately, if we're expecting something and something else happens, then we can be a little disappointed, correct? So let's get to verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, once again, and do not lean on your own understanding. And in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make, your straight, make straight your paths. 
Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Here's, here's the thing. Like, there's a lot of talk lately, and there's been talking, I mean, part of, part of our faith tradition has always been this idea of, of health. Um, and, you know, we talk about the heart all the time, and there's always these things about the heart. And when, when Solomon is writing here, he's not necessarily talking about, you know, the physical heart. Obviously, we know that. And it's important to realize that because uh, this is not about cholesterol or pacemakers, about olive oil or coconut oil, vegan versus veggies, low-carb, gluten-free, or I just eat everything, some of us out there. It's not about exercise or lack thereof. It's not about uh, the physical heart, even though one of the brilliant things about Solomon when he writes these things is that he knows that if you are to follow some of these things, it will have an effect on the actual physical heart. And that is what's so brilliant. This is about the other heart, the invisible one, the one that poets, musicians, writers, artists talk about. This is about the heart that got broken when someone told you they just wanted to be friends. The heart that tingles when you hear, so here I am with open arms. Hoping you'll see what your love means to me. Nobody finished it. Oh, in arms. It's a good thing I don't sing. That songs take you back to a time when uh, she said, I do, the heart that aches when you see injustice and oppression, the heart that glows when you see your kids doing amazing things is the heart that is wonderful and confusing that makes you laugh and cry, that moves you to action and makes you crawl in a hole and detach from friends and family. It's the heart that lets you experience life, whether good or bad. That's the heart that Solomon is talking about. But then he goes on to say, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. And for a long time, we've kind of like, like we've repeated that and repeated that. And it tends to create a sense of, I don't even have to think because God's got this. I don't have, you know, I'm just going to, I need a job. I'm going to sit here and the job will come to my door. What are you doing? I am praying. I am trusting God. Nothing wrong with that. But when we talk about this idea of lean not on your own understanding, but like, like basically trust what God is saying. God is not also saying, hey, listen, you just hang out, man. I gotcha. Covered completely, always, all the time. Because as we mentioned before, sometimes we expect certain things from God that we never get. Because we think that, oh, well, you know, the Proverbs said that this, and then I'm going to get this, and that, and that. And Solomon, over and over again, here at the beginning especially, keeps saying, listen, it's about the heart. 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 One of the reasons why I love uh, the story in the New Testament um, 
In Luke, I talk about this all the time because I find it absolutely fascinating. Luke chapter 5, I don't have it up there. You know the story if you've been around church for a while. If you haven't, I will tell it to you real quick, okay? This idea in, in Luke chapter 5 is that Jesus was doing all these miracles and all these wonderful things. And uh, at one point, he was in a house, and uh, it was crowded, and everybody was around him. This is Luke chapter 5 and verse 1, and it goes through um, about, about verse 11 or so. Um, and, and there was a guy who was paralyzed, and some of his friends said, listen, we got to take this guy to Jesus, um, because I think that Jesus can make him better. So these really good friends gathered a bed, I guess, and like, unfortunately, because of the way that my mind thinks, I always think of this like king-size bed with posts on each side and the fluffy stuff on top. I know it wasn't like that, but when talked about, you know, they put this guy in a bed, that's, I guess that's the kind of bed that I think of. So, so I see this paralyzed guy in this king-size bed, posts and all, Then these four friends, like, pick up this bed and says, we're going to go see Jesus, because, brother, you need some help. And so they pick him up, and they start walking over to where Jesus is, and when they get to the house, they find that the house is, like, packed, and there's no way, first of all, that they can fit a king-size bed with a crippled guy on top through the front door. Like, what are we going to do? And one of the friends has this brilliant, great idea that it's, uh, he says, listen, let's, let's go through the roof. Maybe not the wisest decision in the world. But they didn't have any other choices. Like, okay, the roof it is. So somehow they get this king-sized bed, posts and all, paralyzed guy on top. They get on top of this roof, and they start <laughs> digging through this roof. People inside are sitting there, you know, listening to Jesus, and Jesus is probably like, hey, Jesus, I have a headache. And he's like, eh, oh, I'm so much better now. I don't know. I wasn't there, okay? And they're going through this thing, and people, and they're teaching, and there's like the good guys and the bad guys. They're inside this house. The good people and the bad people. The, those that really love Jesus and those that really want to catch Jesus doing something that he shouldn't be doing. So they're just there kind of like, we're watching you. So all of a sudden as they're sitting there, this noise up in the roof and this hole starts opening up. And people are like, what is going on? And they look up, Jesus is like, <coughs> I don't know if Jesus coughed. I don't know if that was allowed. But anyways, maybe he coughed a little bit with the dust that came down, and, and the sun is kind of coming through. The house is kind of dark, and now it's like these beams of sunshine with dust all over the place and little flecks. And you ever, ever like in your room, and the sun's coming through a window, and you see all that stuff floating in the air, and you say, oh, my gosh, I, I breathe that in every day. You ever say, like, I mean, it's terrifying. It happened to me this morning. I was getting dressed, and I was like, ugh, my lungs. Side, side note. So they're sitting there in this, this roof, in this house, and there's people, king-size bed, paralyzed guy, friends, and this hole keeps getting bigger and bigger. The owner of the house is calling Geico Home Insurance. Like, I'm going to need you. My roof is like falling apart. There's a sun. There's everything. All of a sudden, people like back away because they, the stuff is falling. And then like, it's like, like is that a king-size bed with posts? Jesus is like, I think it is. And they start lowering this king-size bed, post and all, and paralyzed guy sitting there on the bed, laying down on the bed, and brings him before Jesus. Everybody scoots around because king-size beds are pretty heavy. And they, 
Now, if you're familiar with the story, you know that I'm telling it maybe a little bit different. If, if you go to Luke and you read it yourself for the first time, it might not sound like this, but it's the same idea, okay? So he's sitting there, um, and, and all of a sudden, he says, listen, um, they bring him in, and I, I'm reading now, I'm reading straight from Luke chapter 5, verse 20, okay? Uh, this is going to come around to wisdom, people, okay? <laughs> and peace and grace. Uh, verse 20 says, when he, Jesus, okay, saw their faith, he said, your sins are forgiven. Now, the reason I love this story is because I love tension. I, I, I love it when, like, there's some sort of tension. I'm like, oh, this is good. There's tension. Just people are going to start arguing, maybe a fight, you know, maybe an argument. Like, this is going to be good and juicy. So I just kind of, like, pull up the chair. And I'm like, all right, go on, you know. So they bring this bed with this paralyzed guy, and Jesus looks up. There's four little heads sticking out from the hole in the roof of his friends. There's a paralyzed guy, and Jesus is like, yeah, paralyzed guy, can't walk, friends. In other places, in the Gospels, there's stories of Jesus. When Jesus says, and seeing this person's faith, he healed him, right? Remember those stories. In this case, though, Jesus looks at the paralyzed guy, the four little guys up there. He says, and seeing their faith, he said, your sins are forgiven. Now, put yourself in the place of the paralyzed guy. You've traveled a long ways in a king-sized bed. Yeah, granted, you didn't do any work. You just laid there. And they bring you here, your friends bring you here because your friends are like, man, you need to see Jesus because you need some healing, okay? And they take Jesus, they, they go through the trouble of the roof, the hole brings him down in front of Jesus, and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven? Whoa. What about my legs, yo? Right? Now, because if you go there thinking, I'm going to go see Jesus and I'm going to walk, and all of a sudden, you get there, you see Jesus, and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. You're going to be like, wait a minute, wait a minute. The story cannot end here. This is not a Disney ending. What about my legs? Now, I go back to Proverbs when Solomon says, do not lean into your own understanding, but in all ways, trust God. Could it be, however, that we see this through our lens and our needs of physical healing, through our desires as humans to be able to walk, as humans to be able to have our physical bodies, you know, like the way that, that perhaps God intended them to be or the way that we think they should be? And when we read the story, sometimes we don't even realize that the whole point of this story was not to heal the person's leg, but to heal his heart. Because somehow, someway, Jesus sees their faith, and instead of saying, oh, man, go ahead and walk, Jesus says, oh, I see your faith. I hear you. I am with you. I'm like right here, okay? 
your sins are forgiven. Why? Why? Because Jesus knows that if your heart is right, you will have peace. This guy could have ran out of there without peace in his heart. He would have been miserable. On the flip side of that, he could have been carried back out with a righteous heart and been into the place that he needed to be. Because when he tells them, hey, listen, your sins are forgiven, the friends are like, they get the pulley. They start bringing the king-sized bed back up. Paralyzed guys in there, they're like giving high fives to each other. Like, yeah, his sins are forgiven. His heart is right. The heart thing got fixed. The thing that needed to be fixed is finally done. Dude can smile. He can laugh. He can enjoy life again because the heart is right. And, and he starts... But, you know, taking him up, and all of a sudden, Jesus is like, wait, 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 hold. Like, you're thinking that I can't, and you're thinking that I can't, and you're thinking that I can't? It's like, well, brothers, hold on. Bring the bed back down. We're not done here. Because if we keep reading there, after he says, you know, your sins are forgiven, then the scribes and the Pharisees begin to question, saying, who is this that speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your heart? See, there's that heart thing again back from Solomon. Why do you question in your heart? Because, I mean, you can be saying one thing and feeling another thing. He says, why do you question in your hearts which is easier to say? He says, your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk. What is easier? The obvious answer here is to say your sins are forgiven. Because I can tell somebody, hey, Pastor Jen, I forgive you. Do you know what's in here? Do you know if I really forgave her? No. But if I tell Pastor Jen, flap your wings and fly, <laughs> and you start flying, that's a different story because you're like, oh, look, she's flying. It's crazy stuff. So in this case, it's a lot easier for Jesus to say your sins are forgiven because nobody will know because it's an inside thing. It's a hard thing. And so Jesus says, listen, what's easier to say? And he answers his own question. Okay, he says, but that you may know. Notice here that the only reason Jesus is doing what he's about to do is so these creeps may know. <laughs> right? He's not saying, oh, well, this guy really wanted his legs back. So let me do that. Oops, I forgot. Oh, yeah, the whole forgiveness thing and the leg. Oh, I get it. You wanted two things. But no, the story's not like that. The story's like, your sins are forgiven. Boop, he's getting ready to go. And he's like, wait a minute. You guys are thinking that I can't. What? 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 Like, what do you think it's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Bring him back down so that you know that I can make the heart right. Brother, get up and walk. This guy was like, And everybody was like, what, what, what? And then it finishes saying there, and, and, and he says, he said to the man who was paralyzed, he says, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on, the king-sized bed post and all. He just folded it up into a little briefcase. It was a magical bed all along, and nobody knew it. 
and went home glorifying God, and amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. What was that that was extraordinary? The changing of the heart or the person walking? I don't know. Maybe both. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, okay? Jesus at one point tells his disciples, let me tell you something. And this is the brilliance of Solomon. Way back then, he's saying these same things. Jesus says, I'm going to tell you something. Just because you do things right doesn't mean that things will go right with you. Make sense? Just because you check all the things doesn't mean that, 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 that you're going to pass that exam or you're going to do that thing. Because Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. But I've come to give you peace. I've come to make your heart right. And so, if you forget everything, okay, don't forget this. This is my last slide, I think, and I might have forgotten some other ones. I've said it before, but please remember this thing, that if your heart is right, you will have peace. And Solomon was saying, this world is crazy. Make sure your heart is right. So how is your heart? How is your heart? It's a question that I think all of us need to ask ourselves because there's this tension that's created when our heart and our lives are not in alignment. When there's a certain thing that we feel in our heart that we should do and we're not doing and we're like with our lips saying one thing and then doing another, when there's misalignment between our words and our deeds, it creates this tension that's unhealthy that leads to heart problems. And Solomon is saying, hey, make sure that your heart is right. Bind them around your neck. Write them in the tablets of your heart. Going back to Deuteronomy 6, he's, he's quoting, he's saying some of those things over and over again because he understands and realizes that having a right heart will lead to a life of peace in spite of gossip juice, in spite of inequality, in spite of oppression, in spite of divisiveness, poverty, wealth, disease, in spite of uh, our kids, your kids, everyone's kids, your parents, your teachers, your employers, your employees. It's a hard thing. One of my good friends that used to be at my old church moved to Michigan. Her name is Ann. I'll never forget. And always used to tell me, Pastor, it's always a hard thing. Always a hard thing. What do you do when you do? It's a hard thing. I mean, there's something beneath the thing that's beneath the thing. And it's always, always, always a hard thing. It's a reason why we're told, guard your hearts. Guard your hearts. Because maybe perhaps the thing that you need and that I need today is not more stuff, not a better job, a bigger house, a smaller house. Maybe what we need today is to find that thing in our hearts that perhaps has been keeping us from living with joy in a world full of sadness and pain. 
And I don't know, that could be completely different for all of us. Maybe struggle with your family, with your spouse. Maybe it's, maybe it's a God thing. Maybe you've had this idea all along that, that God is just sitting there and like punishing you for whatever and like bad things are happening in your life because something you're doing something wrong. But, but Proverbs is not a book of promises as much as it is a book of possibilities, probabilities, and most likelinesses. I just made that word up. How's your heart? Let me pray for you. God, um, it's so obvious over and over again we, we keep reading and hearing this thing about our hearts. Uh, how you look at the heart, you look beyond what's outside, but you look at the heart. Jesus says, you praise me with your lips, but your heart are just far from me. Um, guard your hearts. Like these commandments that I give you, like put them, like write them around uh, your neck and uh, uh, in your heart. And God, I ask that as we continue to do life in this crazy world, that we might be able to um, be able to find that place that brings our hearts to rightness and to peace. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. I got a lot of comments and stuff, and it's, my time is up, um, but just keep playing. Um, once I'm up, they're not going to send security up here. Or will you? Okay. So, so here's, uh, somebody says, it's always been fascinating to me that the paralyzed man's sins weren't forgiven because of the paralyzed man's faith, but the paralyzed man's sins were forgiven because of the faith of other people. That's crazy, right? Because there's certain groups sometimes that say, well, you know, if you pray, like, and if God doesn't answer the prayer, it's because you didn't have enough faith. And it, it, it always goes back to, like, you did something wrong, and God was up there. I'm like, I'm oh, not enough faith. Eh, sorry. Hmm. Hold on. I got more. Keep playing. That sounds nice. Uh, for me, Proverbs keeps hope alive. I, I, I love, I love that, that whole idea because Solomon kind of sees it in this, this perfect, like almost through like rose-colored glasses. Like, man, this is how it could be if this was the way it was supposed to be. So keeping hope alive is fantastic. Um, and JFit wanted to know if I was me, if it was me making that jump on that bike. No. <laughs> 